0: To the Restoring Virtue podcast. I'm your host, Emily. I hope you're feeling more connected here. In this third episode titled The Cycle of Love, I'll use the widely accepted cycle of abuse diagram in contrast with how love is the antidote to stop and prevent abuse. Victims of sexual trauma are most troubled about love. It's common for us to hold affection for our abuser, but hate the abuse— as in cases where the abuser is a family member or close family friend. Some might even believe that the perpetrator loves them, or that others will not if they find out. What feels like love to us is being the intense focus of another person, being singled out or receiving, quote, special treatment. But abuse cannot and never will be love. It's expected that certain intimate relationships are meant to be loving, such as, Within family circles, romantic connections, and trusted friends, when a relationship that is meant to be loving becomes a source of fear, we may find ourselves entangled in those emotions, making it difficult to escape. The cycle of abuse is a theory that explains in four stages how a person can be trapped in an abusive relationship. In this cycle, a victim is set up to be convinced that the abuse will get better, or end, only to be re victimized. The concept was developed in 1979 by Lenore E. Walker, an American psychologist who worked with battered women, and is widely accepted and often referenced in the psychology world. The four stages are tension, incident, reconciliation, and calm. The tension stage builds as the abuser has difficulty managing their own external stressors and anger. The incident stage occurs when the abuser releases this tension on their victim during a physical or verbal attack. A reconciliation stage then takes place when the abuser becomes overly affectionate and apologetic in order to avoid the consequences of their actions. These expressions are mistaken by the victim for genuine care. During the calm stage, both the abuser and the abused look for reasons to excuse and minimize the abuse. The stage is now set, once again, for another round of abuse. This cycle may present a simplistic view of complicated relationships. Nevertheless, it helps explain in plain terms how someone can fall into the trap of abuse. It also shows a pattern of attachment and silence and how affection can become linked to hurt. The word cycle creates the visual that this sequence of reoccurring events comes back around to the same starting point without variation. It may be more accurate to call this theory the spiral of abuse. The spiral, a continuously advancing cycle, better illustrates how abuse often starts with small incidents and progresses over time. With each revolution, the victim doesn't come back to the same starting point, but gets deeper and deeper. A victim can remain in this downward spiral even after the abuse has stopped or the abuser has left their life by reliving the trauma through fears, memories, and negative self-talk. Also, by keeping their trauma hidden. As victims of sexual trauma, many of us have described a sinking feeling. Or spiraling out of control. The word love is used in many contexts. It's almost impossible to define. Any praiseworthy word could be attached to the word love, giving it definition. Love is not just a feeling but an energy. Love as a feeling is an emotional state and subject to change. Feelings are reactionary or in response to a situation or event. But love as an energy is by definition sustainable and can only be stopped by an opposing force. This energy creates a sensation of swelling, weightlessness, or warmth in the body and specifically around the heart, which is why the heart is often associated with love. You might even have the physical need to take a deeper breath in response to this energy. It motivates a person and gives them the capacity to act in outward expressions of affection, to nuzzle a baby's neck, lean into a dog's face and rub noses, embrace another person in a hug, a kiss, or swing them around in a dance. This energy, love, can actually change your body's chemistry. When in a state of love, you can hardly remember the things that stress you, Channels of creativity flow openly. Judgment of yourself and others is removed. Places are more spectacular, and people are more beautiful. Love can even relieve physical pain. One of my all-time favorite quotes is a simple and short five words spoken by Apostle Elder Richard G. Scott, quote, Love is a potent healer. Love is a divine characteristic. John states twice in chapter 4 of his gospel, both in verse 8 and verse 16, that, quote, God is love. Other scriptures describe God's love as everlasting, perfect, redeeming, great, and wonderful. God's love is the compounding energy that is his essence and is the source of all creation. Creation is God's outward expression of love. We exist as a result of this love. Scientists have developed mathematical equations to explain 14 billion years of this compounding energy. The expanding universe is both a scientific fact and a spiritual truth. The plan of happiness came about so that God's creations could continue in their progression. Love's expanding nature could be explained in terms of progression. Progression has the same properties as love. Progression is a forward, onward, or gradually developing movement. As spirit children, before we came to earth, we did many of the things we do now. We gained knowledge, developed talents, built friendships, made promises, and more. However, had we remained in spirit form in God's presence, our progression would have eventually come to a conclusion— Being in spirit form and only exposed to good limited the experiences that were available to us. The next step was to be sent to earth, given a body, agency, the light of Christ, and a Savior. This step would ensure the opportunity for us to gain the experience required to become like our Father in heaven. This is what we wanted—to know what He knows and to be like He is. However, Knowledge can only be complete by also knowing its opposite. Can a person know the day if there were never a night to end the day? This is the reason we accepted a plan that included physical and emotional pain, weakness, death, and sorrow. We wanted to know what we did not yet know so that we could have an understanding of all things. Part of our progression is to learn to use the bodies, the agency, and the light of Christ we've been given to discern between truth and error while experiencing all that the plan has to offer. Love is the opposing energy that can end the downward spiral of abuse. A collision of these two energies, love and hate, will force either one or the other to stop. Sadly, feeling love is difficult for the sexually traumatized. Emotions such as guilt and shame can make us feel like our disclosure is more of a confession or something to be embarrassed of and may cause other people to withdraw. A scary thought for someone who has already suffered the loss of connection. But why do we feel guilt and shame? Guilt and shame are an emotional reaction to the incident phase of the abuse cycle When an abuser launches their attacks, you wanted it. You made me angry. You'll pay for this. You may wonder if somehow your own actions triggered the abuser. If so, on some level, could you have consented to the abuse or have done something to deserve being abused? If you deserved it, what then does that mean about yourself as a person? Guilt is felt for doing something wrong and shame for being something wrong. I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to. I don't deserve love. In reality, one neither deserves nor does not deserve love. It simply exists as an eternal compounding energy. Your choices, rather, determine whether or not love is the active energy in your life, and if you are a willing vessel for that energy. The cycle of love is also a four-stage theory that demonstrates how love is the energy that propels progression in this life. For someone who has not experienced abuse, this is a natural cycle, and most likely something they've experienced since birth. But for someone who has experienced abuse, the opposing force of hate would have sent them spiraling in the wrong direction. There is instead regression, or a backward movement. The abused see the world as a scary place, a place that pushes them down. It's no wonder that many of us wish to escape and entertain suicidal thoughts. The cycle of love begins by first recognizing that love is a form of caring involving tenderness, affection, trust, and safety, and never ever controlled or forced seeing the world as a loving place will then create the reaction of love as a feeling seeing and feeling become reality and love is then received next a repairing process takes effect as love is carried to the cells of the body finally there's an expanding capacity to do good and love is then returned The four phases are recognize, receive, repair, and return. With each revolution, a person does not come back to the same starting point, but a spiral effect is created, building a forward, onward, or gradually developing progression. One of the most compelling lines ever written reads, Oh, how I love my Savior, because He first loved me. This line is John's attempt in chapter 4, verse 19 at describing the cyclical nature of God's love. We love Jesus because he showed us how to love. He showed us how to love because he loves us. And because he loves us, we have a reason to love. In summary, love as a feeling is a reaction to love as an energy. Love as an energy is eternal and powers all of creation. By recognizing and receiving this love, you can repair your broken heart and change the direction of your life by returning love back into the world. In my personal desire to progress, I only had one question, and that question was, does God love me? The answer to that question was the only thing that was going to make or break my commitment. If God loves me, then I'm willing to accept his gospel with all its principles. If God does not love me, then whatever happens next doesn't matter. I was 26 years old when the answer came. I'm not sure what made the moment the right moment, if I had done something to be prepared for the answer, or if it was simply the grace of God. Nevertheless, one sunny morning I went for a run, as I often do, Exercise is part of my self-care routine. That morning, I wore headphones over my ears, with music playing loudly from the radio, but I tuned it out. My mind was in another place, searching, wondering, pondering God as an eternal being and his role in my life. I looked up at the blue sky. There were only a few wispy clouds. I tried to imagine how far the heavens stretched. Where was God? could he see me? I silently begged for help. My pleas felt more like they were thrown into an abyss than focused on an actual heavenly being. Yet, in response, a warm feeling poured into my body. It rushed through my heart and brought with it these words. God loves you. He sees you, and you are unique. They were not my own words. They were words spoken to me, Not in an audible voice, but they were no less clear. I never had the need to ask again. From that moment on, I began to see the world with the love of God in it. It's strange to think back on such a brief moment, a moment that could be passed off as my imagination, and see how it had had the same type of impact as a major life event, like a move, or buying a house, or starting college. It completely changed the progression of my life. It changed what I needed. It changed my desires. My perspective changed. And my motivation. That's what love does. It changes everything. Will Bowen, a well-known motivational speaker, stated this popular adage, quote, Hurt people hurt people meaning that when an individual has been hurt, they often deal with that hurt by causing hurt, which perpetuates a cycle of hurt. Turn this adage on its head, and it provides the new insight. Loved people love people. Everyone is capable of love, but love is incredibly vulnerable. When we openly give a thing, our heart, it is subject to other people's examination and then either accepted or rejected. Hate, on the other hand, prevents us from being rejected. Hate, in fact, puts us on the side of doing the rejecting before we allow ourselves the chance to be the rejected. The problem with hate is that it assumes only one outcome, rejection, and doesn't even allow for the possibility of acceptance. So to hate is to restrict your own choices, to cut off connection, and to stop progression. The person who ultimately feels the rejection is you. This is what it means to be self-limiting, or in more pointed terms, this is what it means to commit self-abuse. I have said and I have done horrible things to myself because I hated myself. If another person treated me the way I have sometimes treated myself, I would call it abusive. I read a statistic that indicated that about one-third of people who are abused in childhood will become abusers themselves. I wonder if that statistic is not in fact 100%. I was sexually abused as a child, and then I did become an abuser to myself. And that, my friend is the saddest reality of all, that we are capable of abusing ourselves. So glean from the love that already exists in your life. Let it fill your cup and stop the cycle of abuse. Stop it. If God is love, then isn't seeing love seeing God himself? And isn't that letting him walk with you? Finally, I just want to say that I love you and I love that you're here with me right now.